Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mino Lion Media presents Business First. Hi, all, and welcome to a new episode of Business First with Sonia Aline. I am your host, and today we are going to talk about one of the wealth formulas, which is real estate. And so I'd like to introduce you to a young woman who I'm going to predict here today is going to become one of our biggest real estate moguls ever. I was so impressed with her history and all the work that she's done. I can't wait for her to share all of her information with you. I'm going to be taking notes, so I hope you're taking notes Please welcome Nicole Glass. Nicole, how are you? Hi, Sonia. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm honored to be a part of your podcast and to share as much as I can and get the conversation going around real estate and investing. Yeah. So I want to start with a little bit about your, um, your history because you quit your job at 23 years old. Most people are just finishing up school, still hunting for a job and you had a really great position and decided to give it up. And so what was it that made you feel? And, and so I would imagine that a lot of people who are listening or some people who are listening, um, that's always a big struggle, right? Even if we feel that entrepreneurship is in our soul, it's in our DNA, um, sometimes walking away from a, a weekly paycheck, something that's guaranteed is really difficult to do. And you did it at the age of 23. Yeah. Oh man. My story is a little bit different. Like, so my dad actually passed away when I was 11 years old and he passed away on my birthday weekend. So I was turning from 10 to 11. And one of the things, the last things that he left me as a gift at his house was a monopoly set because that year he realized I had never played Monopoly and we talked about it. He's like, oh, you got to play Monopoly. And so that was the absolute last gift that he ever left me. And so I played it. I cherished him. It was a memory. You know, I couldn't play with him, but me and my family, every Thanksgiving, I know Thanksgiving's coming up, every Thanksgiving we would play together. And it was something that really fermented in me that if I had a lot of houses, if I had a lot of rentals, I could win the game. <laughs> and wow. so as soon as I turned 18 years old, I used the money that my dad left me. He left me $150,000 and I used it to buy my first rental property. Now, I know a lot of people who have had parents or loved ones that are deceased, they get a lump sum and sometimes they often blow it you know, on just expenses, you keeping their life together for five years. But I had realized, you know, I want to put this away and I want to put it in a rental property because that's what my dad would have wanted. And I was a landlord at 18 years old. I made my first real estate transaction at 18. I had a four bedroom house. Um, I would collect my $1,800 from this family, a nurse who was 40. She had three kids. And I would go on the first of every month and collect that rent. And she was like shocked <laughs> oh <my laughs> that, <gosh>. this, <laughs> that this little girl, this 18 year old girl was her landlord. Can you imagine an 18 year old? No, girl? I can't. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm sitting here with my mouth open. I can't believe that you were 18. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that was my entry into it. And so when I turned 23, you know, I went to college. Um, I sold that house because I realized I could get two more with the same price as one. So I was doing even more real estate transactions and just wanted to expand. And so I was doing that while I was in college. I was waking up at 5 a.m. every morning, going to work on the house, dropping off the contractors, and then afterwards going to class. And then because I was so dedicated towards what I wanted to do and I had like this passion and drive for it. And um, so I got my two houses after the sale of the one and became a landlord of two families now. And then um, so I had used that rental income to support my lifestyle. And when I started working, I wanted to be in real estate management because I wasn't that great of a landlord being so young and just jumping into it. So I went and worked for a real estate management company and they taught me everything that they knew. It was the biggest real estate management company in the country. And I got trained and I got paid to learn what I wanted to know. So I had already established at a really young age what it is that I wanted to do. So when I went into the workforce, I did something that I wanted to have as a skill. And so I was ready to quit when I had get, gathered all the knowledge that I, I needed from them to manage the properties on my own and then start flipping. Wow, well, I feel like I was such a slouch as a kid because at 18, number one, just be, I felt I was good just selecting a college and getting into the college that I wanted to attend. But so I want to know when you did your internships because you got to um, intern with Hakeem Jeffries and um, uh, Cory Booker, right? And so working with them, you said you understood like the legisla how legis the legislative process affected real estate. And so what age were you then when you were interning with, with these superstar politicians? Oh man, that was the best, one of the best experiences of my life. I got to work on Capitol Hill and, you know, they have tunnels and they have secret passageways that only staffers could go through. And I was just so enamored and so excited to be in the mix. And so with real estate, I was working with one of the real estate staffers because each staffer has different responsibility for the state. And they had taught me that they were there to help the constituents. And so what a lot of people don't know is that the government, we have what's called grants. And so what they're doing on Capitol Hill is they're initiating opportunities for people to buy houses and not everybody has the money for a down payment. And so you know what Congressman Akeem Jeffries and Cory Booker, what sometimes they fight for is for their cities, their areas to have access to grants and zoning and things like that. So... For example, in the city of Philadelphia and even in New York, they have down payment assistance. And so that could range from ten dollars to $40,000. Um, and then they even have programs where you can purchase a house for a dollar. They just need people to take the house. They need people to pay the property taxes. And this is in areas like Newark. So there was just so many different cool ways that I was learning that you could buy real estate without that much money. Because I know that not a lot of people have, you know, a family member had passed and left them something. Right. Some generational wealth isn't always passed down. And so the way that I accumulated more property, because I didn't just stop at the property that I had initially, is that I learned the systems in which the ways that the government would help people to purchase homes with not that much money down. Wow. So, you know, the other thing that's really impressive, and I don't want to keep harping on your age, um, but I think the other thing that's that's really impressive is, and I've met a lot of people who are interested in getting into real estate, um, but it's an intimidating field, 
right? Um, it, it's the, the, the legislation, the, the working with the banks, financing, credit, like they're, you know, finding the right attorneys, right? Where do you purchase? Managing renters, like all of those things can be really, really intimidating. And so what did you think that you had that made you a good investor, a good landlord, and to, to want to expand this into a, a full business. And, and we're going to get into, because you all, she has grown this into much bigger than just buying and, and flipping houses. Yeah. Um, I think I just didn't give up. Uh, so a lot of people, when they hit roadblocks, they tend to give up. Like you see, they knew that it wasn't going to work out. And then when it doesn't work out, they just throw their hands up and they're like, okay, mm. I'm done. And I want people to know that the first flip that I ever did, I didn't make any money. I had a flip that I purchased a house for $10,000 and the foundation was messed up. And I thought I could just go in and fix it all up and figure it out. But I had realized that this project was going to take me nine to 12 months of my time. And the opportunity cost for the amount of time it would take me, it wasn't a good investment as I thought. So I went into my first flip losing $3,000 because that's how much we had put into it before I, I realized that I had made a mistake. But that didn't stop me. So the next flip that I did, um, because I didn't stop there, I sold it. I walked away from it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to pivot and get a flip that needs just cosmetic surgery and not a flip that is, is being held up by the roof with two stints. You know, I want something easier so I can get in and out. And then so because I didn't quit, because I had that go-getter mindset, you know, if this doesn't work, something else, you know, I'm just realizing the ways in which it doesn't work, but I'm going to keep moving forward. The next flip that I did, I made $55,000 and it, we were in and out in eight weeks. So it was just, I mean, I don't think I have anything that anybody else doesn't have. I just pivot when things go wrong. I expect things to go wrong, really? but that doesn't, yes, that doesn't scare or stop me. I want to focus there a little bit. So you actually expect things to go wrong. So does that mean you prepare differently or does that just protect you from these feelings of devastation, which can wipe people out? Um, I guess it's both. So I like, so with flipping, you need to have a extra 15, 20% in cash reserves just in case there's a leak or just in case maybe the contractor runs out with the money and doesn't finish the work. You want to have those like mistake cash funds reserves because you expect things to go wrong, but you're prepared for that with having additional money. And so it also sets you up for like every flip that I've done, there's always been something. There's every rental that I have, every tenant that I had, there's always been something. So if you just go into it with the mindset, if this is how I can prepare for when those things happen by when I get a rental, for example, I make sure to save three months to six, three to six months of rental income. And I do not pocket the money. I, I let it sit in its own checking account. So I have reserves. So every rental account that I have, I have six to $8,000 in reserves ready for things to go wrong. So it doesn't upset me because I'm prepared for it to happen. Right. So I just want to let you know, so you are the second person that I've interviewed in real estate who was, whose passion was driven by Monopoly, playing Monopoly. So I think that that's really interesting. But aside from that, like that introduction to like the excitement around like collecting houses and collecting property, uh, what, what support did you actually did you, what support did you look for and what support did you actually get 
in terms of really being able to make this a viable business, which you have? Mm, um, I'd say partnerships. A lot of people think that you have to go into the real estate market alone. And for me, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted, in the areas that I was weak, I wanted to find a partner in that. So I didn't think like, oh, I don't know how to do construction when I'm 18. So I'm not going to do it. No, I'm going to find someone that knows how to do construction within my inner circle. If there's no one there, I'm going to go to my outer circle. You go to Home Depot, you know, talk to contractors. I'm going to network to find the areas in which that I'm weak so I can now become strong. Um, and so that's like the first piece. And there's so many aspects in which that has worked for me. I actually have a duplex with a, with a friend. We own a duplex together because she was strong in an area for the mortgage that I was weak. So it didn't stop me from getting a house purchase. I just knew I needed to find a partner in that. So I would say that was my piece of my little token. Yeah. Well, I think it's wonderful that you think about uh, that you thought about partnering to buy a home because I don't think we often think about that. In fact, when you know when we're dealing with financial issues, we can tend to be really private about those things and not share. Like how you were saying, well, I was weak here and she was stronger there, and so we were able to to partner. Is that some of the advice that you offer to people who yeah. are interested in, in purchasing property? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, some people are really scared to do it and then they just don't do it. And now, for example, the real estate market is really high. If you would have gotten two, three years ago, you could have had 50, 60,000 in equity. And because you didn't want to partner with someone, you don't have any equity because you've just been waiting and waiting and it's analysis paralysis. So for, and if you're trying to just get your feet wet once, you know, it's really helpful to just have someone else who's invested because now you also are saving time and now you're also cutting the expenses in half and you're mitigating risk. And so, and also it's like, okay, I've done it once with this person. Now I actually feel more comfortable to do it by myself All the right. next time. So what, what's also difficult in purchasing in terms of real estate is identifying the right markets. So there's some markets that were were hot were and, and still are hot and so when i think about communities that are actually gentrifying like we we all saw what happened in in harlem i live in brooklyn we're witnessing and experiencing how difficult it is to to purchase properties in in brooklyn atlanta baltimore philadelphia you know how do you identify either the right place or or suppose you're in a place where you feel like you're being priced out. Are there still opportunities? Is that where the these government programs can come in to help people? Yeah. So right now, the way that I identify a good location to purchase is I follow the trend of jobs. So there's actually websites that you can go on and you can see where the jobs are opening up, where the jobs are moving. And so if there's an area like Phoenix, for example, or Austin, a lot of tech jobs are going to these places and moving to these places and the real estate market is skyrocketing there. So that's a great place to per place your park your money and know that it's a safe investment because there's always someone's always going to need a place to live when there's high paying jobs. Um, and then so you know that it's not a good investment if jobs if like the percentage of jobs are, are leaving an area. And so you can follow, there's charts, there's charts and trends. You can pay for this information to make sure that you're investing in the right area. And then also you, you touched on something where sometimes it might be a little bit too high to enter a specific market. And 
I completely agree with you and understand that a lot of people who are making 60, 70, 80,000, and these are good salaries, can't afford to live in Brooklyn or buy in Brooklyn. And that's where the grants come in. In New York specifically, they offer $40,000 for down payment assistance for people who are living in New York. But even $40,000 for 3.5% might not be enough because you might have to come up with another 20 for closing costs. So that's where I would say the partnerships come in. Um, partner with your family members. If you don't trust your family, partner with your best friend, you know, um, and if you don't want to live with your best friend, get a multifamily and just try to maneuver and get yourself in there. So that way you can start building your wealth because it's a matter of time. Real estate, in my opinion, is a long-term game. I have a lot of long-term investments that I'm looking to hold on to for 20, 30 years. So no matter what the market is doing, I know I have an asset that's going to appreciate it during my lifetime. All right. So do you help people understand that too as well? So that, you know, I should hold on to these properties. And, and so what are the, the indicators to say like, you know what? I think I should hold on to this property, but I'm going to flip here. Like what goes through, oh. your, what, what, what's part of the process? I'm, I'm sure you could do all, an entire show on that alone, but what's part yeah. of the process in terms of determining which ones to hold and which ones to flip? That is a great question. Um, the way that I think about it personally is that if I have a mortgage, so I do hard money lending now. I used to put all my money in my flips, but now I do hard money lending, which is mortgaging. And I go through LLCs because I don't, I want to mitigate the risk to my personal name and my personal social security number. And what if I'm flipping a house or if I'm fixing it up, if I can get rent that covers the mortgage and also I have extra money that is income for myself, that is a good hold. So yeah. like, for example, um, if I have, if I'm doing a flip and like I have a hundred thousand dollar mortgage and the payments are a thousand a month and uh, someone's paying me 1500 to live in this house, I'm, I'm getting at least maybe $300 after the mortgage is paid. So I'm making money in equity. Someone's paying my mortgage. So when the mortgage is paid off, I'll own the house free and clear. And I'm also getting an additional $300 a month for my car payment or for my, for my house or whatever. So that's a good rental. But sometimes the, the numbers don't always work out like that. So when you have a mortgage on a place, sometimes the mortgage is more than what you would be getting in rent. And you would actually be losing money if you held on to it. So for me personally, that would be a good flip. I'd rather just flip it and sell it because if I held on to it, it would cost me money. Okay. All right. For, for, for people who are interested in transitioning into real estate, what would you suggest? You actually worked for a real estate firm, one of the biggest. So you got to learn almost every aspect of the business. But for so I meet most people who their you know, their first introduction is maybe taking a course so that they can get their realtor license. So for someone who's done it that way, how would you explain that they should, you know, what else, where else should they go to get better information or more information so that they feel more equipped? Oh, that's a great question. That's actually why I got my real estate license to begin with is because I saw on the, when I was purchasing the house, I saw how much the realtor made and I was like, I'm buying another house next year and I want to make that money for myself. And on top of that, I know that this person's in it just for the commission and I want to be able to know all the ins and outs. So that way I'm, I'm better protected just through information. And so if you're thinking about getting your real estate license, I say power to you, definitely do that. Um, it's, I think it takes two weeks in New Jersey. It's an online course. It's actually not that difficult. And so if you want to find other ways to get information, 
I would say to follow other realtors and real estate investors on YouTube, on Instagram. I would say join, they have Facebook groups where people do real estate investing. Join those Facebook groups so you can start actually getting, um, you know, threads on what is happening and just really dive into podcasts. And they have, there's this podcast that I actually follow called Bigger Pockets. They have an app with a bunch of real estate investors and it actually tells you what's happening in markets all over the country because they have um, followers in every single state and you have a bunch of real estate investors on that application who are talking to each other um, and it's in real time active. And so this is the internet. We're in the age of the internet. Information is everywhere. But I mean, if you really want to get it to simple and what I did, I Google every single little thing. And like, I'm the type of person I put myself in a situation. And then when I come across an issue or a problem, I'll hit Google. I'll be like, all right, so I'm at this wall. What should I do next? And I kind of problem solve as I go. (laughs) So I'm not saying do that, but I'm just, the type of person I know I'm going to figure it out because, um, that's, that's how you're built. That's just who you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about KR home improvement because it does more than just identify property. You're expanding into, um, a, a really a full service real estate office. Yeah. So, This past year, I started my construction company and I'm a licensed contractor and we started doing renovations. We did about eight bathrooms this year for people. And so the prices that I don't want to say prices because they're always changing and getting higher, but it's navigating. We did a bathroom for $5,000 top to bottom, but high end stuff. So if you go on my website, carehomeimprovementllc.com, you'll be able to see our bathroom renovations and the contractor, Christian, he helps design it. He put enclaves within the shower. He, we have waterfalls and stuff like that for people and really giving them a high end experience. So that way people have a service that they could trust for at least our community members. And, you know, we're not just flipping. We're also, you just realize like we have this crew of guys that we use for our flips. We could just also provide a service that people could trust and, do construction as well. And so we're licensed contractors. <laughs> wow, congratulations. That's incredible. And so what do you expect for your business? Like where do you see it in terms of say 5 years down the road, what would people be coming to your organization for? Mm, so I think I eventually just want to be a mentor for people. And you know, I'm a real estate broker now. I just got licensed this year. I took the additional step. I've been an agent for over four years. And so uh, I was like, you know what? I need to become a real estate broker and I'm going to open up my own office and have agents that I work with and team with. And so we could help people purchase homes. And so I'm really just looking to teach people financial literacy. I've, I've come up with a way and solutions to make money and to live financially free. Like if my expenses are $400 a month, you know, because I've been able to house hack and do all of these cool things. And I just want to teach that because I believe that people deserve to live like that. A lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck, you know, and it's, I've seen my family do it. I've seen my mom do it and it's stressful and it bleeds into your health. It bleeds into every single area of life. And I just really want to create a platform that people can go and where they can trust and change their lifestyle and um, just learn this information. Yeah, I'm glad you added that because 
it, financial freedom does it, it alleviates a lot of other problems. You know, the, the, what was the, the old saying like money can't buy you happiness, and that that may not be true, but it can it can create a lot of happiness for people and alleviate a lot of a lot of stress. And so, where can we? Um, well, tell us again the name of of your company, your website, so people can find you and follow you. Thank you. Thank you. So my website is krhomeimprovementllc.com. We have a construction team on there and we serve um, North Jersey. We serve New York as well, New York City. So if you guys know anybody that is interested in construction, you can go on the website and inquire there. But where you could hear more information about me and other entrepreneurs is on my podcast, Creating Your Own Reality. Um, with the podcast host, Nicole Glass. And that's where I teach a lot of the things that we're talking about today because financial literacy comes in so many different forms. And I have a segment called CEO Chats. And that's where we talk about cryptocurrency. We talk about passive streams of income because you're not really wealthy until your money is making money for you. You don't want to work for money. You want to have money work for you. And that's why being a landlord is so powerful. That's why, you know, trading stocks is so powerful. And like, we talk about all of that on there. So that's where you can find me. There's not an age limit. I hope not. Right. We can all, we can all come and follow you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Please, please. I, I, I want us to do this together. I think that this is a, this is going to be a team effort. I want us to all grow together. I want us to all learn together. And there's things that other people can teach me. You know, I don't, I don't know everything. I've just um, been doing the real estate thing for about nine years now. And so that's my niche. But I also want to grow and expand financially. You know, there's always more room to grow. I just had someone actually on my podcast who is, he sells um, Pure Tropics. So it's like a skincare line and he sells it online. And he said, $1,000 a day for me is a bad month. So he's teaching me and he's training me that you can make money selling products online and it's easy. And that's like the type of stuff that we talk about because there's so many things that like we get into. Wow. I love that you named it um, create your reality because that's what you believe, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, I will be following you. I encourage everyone else to follow you. I have been so inspired by your journey, your dedication, your passion behind all of this. And I would love to have you back to just hear about, hear more about your journey and your progress and how your company is growing. Thank you, Nicole, so much for coming and sharing your story with us. Thank you, Sana, Sa Sonia. And I, I'll come back anytime, anytime you need me, any questions about the market. I'm here for you. This has been an amazing experience. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. The Business First Podcast is hosted and produced by Sonia Lee. Associate producer, Ariel Mancibo. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Business First Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on social at business underscore first underscore podcast on IG. The Business First Podcast is a mean old line media production. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.